Father, once again, O Lord, at your feet, we just want to listen to one voice. Your voice. The words of man, let it fall to the ground. Every other word, let it be anointed, O Lord. Let it be backed up by the witness of the Spirit. Let it penetrate, O Lord, Father. Let it hit home, O Lord. I pray, Lord, Father, that, Lord, it will, your word, Father, will not come back void until it has accomplished its purpose in our lives. And therefore, we exalt your word this morning. Father, forever, as your word says, your word is settled forever in the heavens. And you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You will never change. And this morning, I pray, Father, even as we hear the word, that you would grant us the grace to change according to the word that we receive. Grant us obedient hearts, receptive minds this morning. Come against every spirit of tiredness and distraction in the name of Jesus. Speak, Lord, life into our dry bones, dead bones in our life. You speak, O oh Lord. You'll let your word go forth and bring life. It's because your word says that your words are spirit and life, O oh Lord. Let it bring life into us. Cause us to walk in your ways that will be released for your glory. Anoint us even as we speak and even as we hear. Let there be one teacher and let your name be glorified through everything. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Even as we have uh, coming to the end of 10 years as a church, you know, I was uh, um, reading through the Bible, I mean, uh, through, through the this year, just uh, Bible in one year or less, I don't know. But one of the things that I do uh, is I read through chapters. I mean, I mean book by book. I don't have uh, divisions. I don't go New Testament, Old Testament. I just read through one book continuously to get the flow of thought. And even as I was reading, the Lord spoke to me and I believe that this is what the Lord has for us this morning and in the light of what we've been studying and in the light of the coming year that we should prepare ourselves as a church. The verse that I want to begin with is found in Romans chapter 8, the very famous verse that we all know, 8.28, right? And we know, I hope we know, the problem is many believers don't know, okay, that we know that how many things? All things work together for the good. I hope we believe that. To those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. You see that? All things work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to His purpose. And what is His purpose? It's found in the next uh, two verses in verse 29 and 30. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the purpose. The purpose is that all of us, okay, I hope you believe this, that we should become like Jesus. I mean, that is significant. You need to understand that Christian life, Christianity is just not that we will be saved from our sins and we'll go to heaven. No, 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 no. The whole idea of salvation, salvation is a, uh, is a continuous process that we will not be just saved from the penalty of our sin, that we will not be only saved from the 
power of sin that we will have the very life of God flowing through us that Jesus himself that's the reason why, you know, uh, we was, the children sang that song, This Mystery All Immortal Dies. They had no idea what they were singing. They just memorized it. But once they grow old and when they fall into sin, I believe that the Spirit of the Lord will just remind them of all the songs that they've memorized and that particular song will surely come, come to them, you know. Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. I look at these children where? No, no bound, they were not bound in sin for sure. Fast bound in sin and nature's night, thine I diffuse, thine eye diffuse the quickening ray. I woke the dungeons filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose and went forth and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Is that, that's, that's a song that they're singing. And this mystery, all immortal dies. The great mystery is not that God rose from the dead because that is, God cannot be dead. But the thing is that the mystery, the greater mystery is that he died. How can somebody who's immortal die? That's a question that the hymn writer is asking. And he says that's a great mystery. Who can explore his strange design? In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depths of love divine. Tis mercy all, let earth adore, let angel minds inquire no more. Amazing love, how can it be that thou my God shouldst die for me? So the whole idea of God sending his son to die for us on the cross is just not merely that he will save us from the penalty of sin. That he will birth his son in us. You see, what is the greatest gift that God gave man? His son, right? God so loved the world, okay, that he gave his only begotten son. The greatest treasure or the greatest gift that God could give man is himself. Now tell me, what is the greatest gift that man can give to God? No, 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 no. Himself again. The greatest gift that God can give to man is himself. And the greatest gift that man can give to God is himself. You see? And that therefore, the very gift of the life of Christ in us is the gift that we give back to God. Only because only Christ is perfect. Nobody else is. You see, that is the whole idea of Christianity. Just, just not we'll be saved from sin, but the very life of God will be birthed in us and that the infinite God will come and start dwelling inside of us. Do you believe that? And you'll look at uh, yourself and say, oh, really Vijay? It's too good to be true that he will dwell inside of us and then he will give himself to himself through us and glorify himself. Oh, that's a great mystery. You see, that is the whole idea of Christianity that we should be conformed to the image of his son. You should believe that. And therefore, we are, we are not conformed to the image of his son. Then there's something wrong. We still haven't completely apprehended the truth of the word of God. Therefore, that is the whole destination, right? And therefore, in order to do that, what does God do? Moreover, whom he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, he also called. He called all of them. Those whom he had called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So he calls us, he justifies us, 
and he glorifies us. And the question, therefore, we were asking ourselves is what glorifies God? Only himself can glorify God. And therefore, in Colossians, so to be conformed to the image of his son is the whole idea of glorifying God. If Christ is not in us, then we will not glorify him. You see that? That's the whole thought here. Therefore, Colossians will say in chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Oh, the hope of glory. That is the reason why, you know, Corinthians will say, Second Corinthians chapter 13 will say, examine yourselves. See if Christ is formed in you because he alone can glorify God. None of us. All of our efforts will just fall to the ground. Only God can glorify God. So the ultimate purpose of God is to glorify himself. And the ultimate purpose of man is to glorify God by allowing him to work through us and glorify himself. So that is the whole idea of of, of Christianity, Christian life. It's just not being saved from our sin and forgiveness, by the way, forgiveness of sin was always available in the New, in the Old Testament as well. Do you know that, right? We, we, we by heart that Psalm, Psalm 103, if I'm right, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases, forgiveness of sins was available. So if just mere forgiveness you want, Old Testament is already there, but if you want something else which will glorify God, that is God himself. God had to come and he had to enter into us in some mysterious way and through us glorify himself. The question therefore we need to ask ourselves is that how does God do that? What is the process through which he takes us in order to glorify himself through our lives? And this coming year, I believe I believe with all of my heart and, I, and, I, and I'm, you know, telling myself over and over again. Oh, it's just something you need to speak to yourself often. You need to preach to yourself. Honestly, you need to constantly keep preaching to yourself. Why are you downcast, O my soul? David said, said that. Constantly keep asking yourself and preaching your, preaching to yourself. So there's one passage in the Old Testament, especially one of some of our favorite uh, i think all of you love this chapter i'm sure you're familiar with this portion particular portion in the bible what is what is the process through which god takes us in order to ensure that the image of god that is christ himself is not only birthed inside of us but also keeps growing inside of us and that is found in isaiah chapter 49 and i'm going to read a few verses and expound it that will be the central uh, core of today's message the core of today's message okay this is isaiah 49 listen to me o coastlands was one onwards listen to me o coastlands and give attention you peoples from afar the lord called me from the womb from the body of my mother he named my name. Okay. That is the English standard Bible version. Another translation. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. 
That is how he called. See, think about it. I, and I look at one guy in the New Testament who understood this idea very clearly. And this guy, I mean, of course, I'm going to read his letter. This is found in Galatians chapter 1. This is Paul in his letter. He's talking about it, about himself. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. How intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. This was Apostle Paul. He wanted to destroy the church. He hated Christians. Okay. And you know what he says in the next verse? I was advancing in Judaism before, uh, beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my forefathers. And he was absolutely zealous for God. And by the way, Paul's zeal did not change. The zeal for the wrong thing became the zeal for the right thing after he got saved. And the problem is many Christians are now zealous because they never had any zeal. See? And then what he says, look at this. But when God who set me apart from my, what? Mother's womb called me by his grace. Do you see? When did he call him? Even before he was formed in his mother's womb, he called him. But what is the trajectory he took? He allowed Paul to be born as a Pharisee in a Pharisaical family. For almost 20 years of his life, he was growing and going to a synagogue and he was going through the, to, to, to maybe a, what we call it, a yeshiva, a Jewish seminary and studying and studying the law, studying the law, studying the law, hating Christians. Okay. Then he becomes 25 or 26 years old uh, and he hears about this new sect which has been formed. People are going crazy after this and so many Jews are becoming Christians. He's so angry and he starts persecuting them. God does not stop him there. God did not meet him in the, in the seminary. God did not meet him in his home. God allowed him to destroy the church, persecute the church, and to a point where he was responsible for the death of Stephen himself. Till that point, God did not stop him. The trajectory that Apostle Paul takes is phenomenal. I mean, God could have stopped him sometime before the death of Stephen, but God did not stop him. And then when Stephen died, something happened to Paul. That man said, Lord, let this sin not be against them. And he looked at it and he said, boy, these people know God and I don't. And something started to happen. His conscience started pricking and pricking and pricking. But he was fighting his conscience. And he said, no, I am right. They are wrong. And he started taking letters from the synagogue. And he wanted to go and persecute and kill Christians even in Damascus. Then he meets God. And after he meets him, his life is completely radically changed. And when he is writing Galatians, he says, you know what? God called me in spite of all that I have done. But he called me even before I was formed in my mother's womb. You know what the lessons to learn? Pastor was doing some confessions last time, right? Last Sunday. Let us do that confessions this morning. First lessons to learn. Say it loudly. I am not an accident. That's an accident. Okay. I'm not an accident. God chose my parents. Say that. Do you believe that? So many of us, it's a very, very difficult thing to believe. Especially in our church. 
If you come from Hindu background especially, Are, how it would have been great if I was born in a Christian background, it would have been easy for me to come to the Lord. Come on. God chose your parents? Second, third one, God chose my country. Everybody say that? I mean, I always, you know, speak to myself and say, how great would I have been if I were born in the USA? Ah, land of opportunity or Canada or all these developed nations and that's the reason why I wanted to immigrate. Okay, and I was kicked out. Well, God had a purpose because he said, you cannot despise your country. You see, this is my country. God chose my country. God chose my parents. Do you believe that? Next one. God chose my mother tongue. I'm not kidding. So many of us, especially Gultis, are very ashamed to speak in Telugu. You know, that is the reason why Pastor James uses sarcasm. You foreigners, he says. Next one. God chose the financial conditions into which I was born. How many of you believe that? Say that. If you believe, confess it. God chose the financial conditions into which I was born. Oh, some people say, if I was born in a rich family, in this family and that family, God chose your financial conditions. God chose your parents. God chose your country. God chose your mother tongue. There was no accidents. You are not an accident. Another one. He divinely orchestrated all the events of my life so that one day I will hear his call and respond. That is what Paul teaches us. He made me kill Stephen. If Stephen's blood is not on my hands, it would have been great, but God allowed that. Allowed that. Not that God willed Stephen should die, but he allowed Stephen to die in the hands of Paul because through him, he is going to start working in the, in the hearts of Paul. And I'm sure some kind of an equivalent Stephen experience happened in your life. I mean, I know some radical people who come from other religions. Most of them have this testimony. I hated Christians. Yeah. Am I right? You come from an unbelieving background, you know it. She always hears that. They all quote Gandhi. Yeah, Gandhi loved Jesus, but he hated, he was turned away because of Christians. No, tell me. No, tell me. Okay, that is an excuse, right? I'll tell you why it is an excuse. Gandhi did not accept Christ because, he says, I love your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians because you don't behave the way Christ behaves. No, tell me, how many of you looked at other Christians and got saved? You saw the mistakes of others and you say, Are, these people are like that, but... They, no, 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 nothing like that happened. I saw so many compromises in my life, but I still chose to follow God. See, that is just a cop-out, because he had to confess, you know, Christ to the whole world. And that would have been not very good for him, I think. I don't know. In hindsight, I feel that uh, he missed an incredible opportunity. Every event in my life divinely orchestrated. It's like, you know, it's like a symphony, right? You know, the, the, the guy comes and starts, da, 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 da. You, you do that, okay? Let that mother-in-law of hers start spanking her a little. Because that will bring her to Christ. Let that husband of her do something. That's a symphony. Lot of symphony going on and people are dancing and slowly through circumstances people are coming. All the events orchestrated. So one day, 
we will hear the call of God and respond. Let me tell you something. This is my testament. If God would not have done that to my life, I would have never known him. Never. I thank God. That is the reason the first verse I started with, all things, what? Work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. See, do you believe that? So next lesson, therefore, God did not call me because he didn't, he saw me and said, oh, you fantastic person. This fellow will be a fantastic testimony for my kingdom. No, 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 no. That is what Israel thought. <laughs> we are such fantastic brains. We'll have the, in the future, we'll have the ha- highest per capita, what, uh, Nobel laureates from our country. And therefore God chose us. No, 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 no. Don't get those ideas. God chose us in spite of us. In other words, if you were God, you would not choose you. Alright. Yeah. If you were God, you would not actually choose you. Because you, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> some people say, you don't know me, I'm good. I don't know about you, but I would not, definitely not choose myself. You know what God is telling, you know, this is what he tells the Israelites through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is what he says. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Okay? The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession for all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Until then they said, yes, we were so good. And he loved it. No, no. Then Moses immediately takes the gas out. He says, it was not because you were more in number than any of the people that the Lord set his love upon you, uh, uh, than any other People that the Lord set his love on you and chose you for you are the fewest of all the peoples. And then he goes on to say, but it was because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out of the, out with a mighty hand and, a, and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That is what the, that is how he called us. Not because we were any good or we were strong. And then he goes on to say in Deuteronomy chapter 9, do not say in your heart after the Lord your God has thrust them out before you from before you. It is because of my righteousness that the Lord has brought me in the uh, into possess this land. Whereas it whereas it is the it is because of the wickedness of these nations that the Lord is div- uh, driving them out from before you. Not because of your righteousness or the uprightness of your heart are you going in to possess their land. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a Say that. I am a stubborn people. Say that. Do you believe that? Oh, I believe it with all my heart. About myself. Hard not to crack. Stubborn, rebellious. My parents will testify for that, for sure. I mean, I'll tell you something, no? When you go back home, they are not impressed because they know you very well. Maybe you are impressed with the sermon, but when we go back home, they are not impressed. They will not say, oh, father, come home, you preach a great sermon. They will never say that. Uh, they will never say that. They, because they know me very well. Okay. You're all not because that of any good quality inside of us that God chose us. No. I, mean, I, I hear so many believers, you know, because, you know, right from my childhood, I used to have this inclination toward God. God started it. Not because you had any inclination. It was his probing and pruning. It's a conscience that God gave. Everything was God. See, that is the reason why he says in John's Gospel, chapter 6, unless the Father draws him, no man can come to me. And if those who come to me, I will no way cast out. Learn that. So, the lesson 
that we need to learn. We have not been called because we are professionals. Okay. Because everything is professional today. Professional sport, professional programmer, professional this, professional that, professional everything. Professional cook. It's a profession. Right? We have, what is it? Varewa.com. Those guys, they start a YouTube channel and mint money. That fellow is a software engineer, by the way. And has become a cook. Okay. So, everything is professional. Professional cook, professional housemaid, because they have mobile phones and they have everything now. They will inform you that they are not coming, etc., etc., etc. Everything professional, professional, professional. But Christianity is not professional. Look at uh, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church. This is what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 26 onward. For consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Yeah, sure, no. How many of you? IITJE first rank here, please. Can I, can I see your hands? For sure you are not yet. I pray. I mean, I'm not saying that you should not become IITJE first. But you are still not there, right? Yeah, the, the best rank that we have is sister who is sitting there. Uh, he's in medical school, she's very brilliant, I mean, much better than I. Okay, you were wise, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful, not many of you had blue blood, in other words, noble birth. Okay, but God chose what is foolish, are you foolish? Then God chose you for sure. Do you consider yourself, yourself foolish? Oh, it is so difficult, because we are all professional fools. The fool has said in his heart, no, ah, professionals. You see, and then he says, but God has chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised. Are you despised in the world? Then God chose you. Even the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being should boast in his presence because ultimately God should what? Glorify Himself, not us. Therefore, we are not called because we are professionals. I, I got this uh, particular term professional when I was reading through the Bible and I was reading through uh, the Bible in the New Living Translation. And I, I, I'm doing this you now. I, I read through the Bible in the KJV. I want to read it through another translation to get a, a, a complete uh, picture of a particular verse. Now, this is in the New Living Translation. About Amos. This is found in Amos chapter 7. Amos chapter 7 verse 10. Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent a message to Jeroboam king of Israel. Amos is hatching a plot against you right here on your very doorstep. What he's saying is intolerable. I mean he says words are too too much to bear. He's saving, he's saying Jeroboam will soon be killed and the people of Israel will be sent away into exile. Okay and then goes on to say. Then Amaziah sent orders to Amos. Get out of here you prophet. Go on back to the land of Judah and earn your living by prophesying there. Professionals. That is exactly what is happening today. Professional prophets. You send them an offering, they will prophesy for you. They have a, what we call as a fee. Professional fee. You know, like you go to the doctor's consultation charges. That is, that is what we call professional services, right? Professional courses. Okay. How many years uh, was uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the Babylonian school? How many years? Three years. Bachelor's degree? Three years. Professional degree? Three plus one, four minimum. You see? Professionals. 
Don't bother us with your prophecies here, Bethel. This king sanctuary and the national, this is the king sanctuary and the national place of worship. And look at Amos's answer. Fantastic answer. But Amos replied, I am not a professional prophet. And I was never trained to be one. I am just a shepherd taking care of the psychomorphic trees. I was a farmer, a shepherd, but the Lord called me. Not because I was a professional. He just called me in spite of my background. That is what he's trying to say. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. So many of us wish that we were not us, that we were somebody else. I know, I mean, I hear conversations. I wish I had this, I had that, I had your kind, your kind of whatever. You don't know me. I told you, right, Greek barbarian. Same thing. I'm not a professional prophet, he said. That the Lord called me away. No, John Piper wrote a book called Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. And a brother gifted me that book and another brother stole it from me. He's in Jamshedpur, sorry. And you know, (laughs) okay, brothers, we are not professionals. This is what he says, John Piper in his book, brothers, we are not professionals. This is what he says. We are fools for Christ's sakes, but professionals are wise. We are weak, but professionals are strong. Professionals are held in honor. We are in disrepute. We do not try to secure a professional lifestyle, but we are ready to hunger and thirst and be ill-clad and homeless. That is the reason why God called us. Not because we were great, we had degrees around our names and the more the number of degrees you have, the greater the stumbling blocks are and the greater your insecurity. Right? Why do people have degrees? Because they are insecure. That is the reason why they have degrees. You know, doctor and they will say, no, no, don't call me doctor, I am a reverend doctor. No, they will say, you should call me right reverend doctor. Oh my goodness. See? Professionals. So God did not choose us because we were great. No. He called us in spite of us and he called us right from our mother's womb. And he had a plan for us. And he orchestrated every event in our life so that we will meet him one day. Do you believe that? If you believe, say Amen. Amen. But the point is, God did not call us to make us remain like that. Okay. He called fishermen, but fishermen became scholars. Okay, do you agree? Fishermen did not remain fishermen. John, okay, we can leave aside Apostle Paul. Peter was a fisherman. Actually, they were unlettered fishermen. They became lettered and they wrote some of the most logical thesis, if you will. People are still breaking their heads over it and give up, get a PhD in theology. By studying a fisherman's thesis. They had a revelation. Something happened to them. What was God doing to each and every one of them was now took them and he started to form the image of his son slowly, incrementally, day by day, year by year, month, I mean, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. So what does he do? Let's go back to Isaiah 49 and see what the Lord does. This is chapter 49 verse 2. He 
made my mouth. Okay? The first thing God wants to do in order to form you in his image, he wants to take your mouth. And he wants to make it. Got it? I'll tell you why. What you know about a person, if you want to know who that person truly is, listen to that person in his most unguarded moments and see what comes out of his mouth. That is what he is in reality. Okay? I mean, I travel with Pastor James in the car I miss when I drive into different, different places and when the traffic irritates me, that is my unguarded moment. Okay? And what I truly am, you, what you don't, what you don't see in the pulpit, that is where I'm not speaking my mother tongue. I'm speaking my mother tongue next to my father. Spiritual father, that is. And then he looks at me and he says, Vijay, he hears my words and comes to a conclusion. You know what he says? You are an impatient man. See? What has happened? Did he test my impatience by putting me under pressure? No. He watched my words during the most unguarded moments. That is when you are with your family and your children irritate you, where your wife gets on your head, etc., etc., etc. Those are what we call as unguarded moments. I mean, there was one unguarded moment I'm still embarrassed about and one brother is here, is sitting. I hope he's not falling asleep. That is to wake him up. Oh, I was, I finished triple ID and I came out and I handed over my thesis for review, etc., etc. And the review came back and the examiner rejected, not rejected, he just sent back my thesis with red ink all over. I looked at it. On the email, blood started boiling. I was in the LTD office. All the children were out, I thought. That's what I thought. And the office, by the way, is not enclosed. It's got, uh, it's, uh, it's just got enclosure like that and the roof is above the wall, okay. Unguarded moment and uh, language came out. The language was coming out. All over the place, it was coming at an incredible speed, the way I speak generally. And uh, one brother saw it. I looked at him. Pastor, speaking very good language. I said, oh my goodness gracious me. God has ways to humble you, right? To strip you off all your, 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 your guile and your hypocrisy and your Veneer catches you at those unguarded moments. And I looked at it and I said, first thing I should do is to give give a call to my sister Elsa. Sister Elsa. (laughs) Unguarded moment. You see, the words that people speak at the most unguarded moment of their lives is what they really are. And Jesus, by the way, in Incredible amount of pressure that he was facing, but never speaks out of turn. 
what God has done. He has made his mouth. And you know what God is doing for all of us? He's catching hold of our mouth and making, you know, I believe Peter, even as he was uh, praying, he was saying, Lord, I'm a man of what lips? Unclean lips. Touch me. And every prophet before he was commissioned, you know what happened? God had to touch his mouth. Old Testament, New Testament. God had to touch all of their tongues. Because Peter had a lot of mother tongue. It came out when during these unguarded moments when they asked him, are you that person who was with Jesus of Nazareth? No, no, no. And he started cursing in his mother tongue. That was his, that was the real Peter. So what God has to do in order for us to have the image of Christ to be formed in us, he has to take hold of our mouth and he has to make it. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are what? Deep waters. And so, I'll tell you something. God is so interested in our conversations. See that? Confess. God is interested in my conversation. I know you fear. I mean, you and I will know if you really fear God or not. When we take I mean, do one thing, you know, just do an experiment. Just put a recorder in your pocket. And record your speech through the day. How much, and at the end of the day, just before you sleep, just replay it back. And you will know how much you really fear God. Now, that's exactly what happened, right? People, when they are on the phone, they use all kinds of language. You know? That's how they threat. Bhutan and Nasa You see that? Record it. Record your conversation. So very important. I'll know how much I fear God by recording my conversation. Because God says that in one of his 316s. It's not John 316. It is not 1 John 316. It is Malachi 316. Look at what he says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke often. No, they didn't stop speaking. They spoke often and God Listen to them and heard them. You see that? What is that? Listening and hearing? No, no. He was taking careful note of all the conversation and the WhatsApp and the Twitter and the Instagram and the Facebook and the, and the, and the, and the review columns, etc., etc., etc. Because he's very, very interested in what his people, his children speak. And he knows whether they fear him or not by recording the conversations of his children. So he records. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate upon his name. How much you fear the Lord is often disclosed by how much of your, by just recording and observing your conversation. Okay, so that is very important for God. Therefore he has to touch it. He has to touch it. And therefore he says in Matthew chapter 12, Okay, what does he say? Man is, uh, Romans chapter 4 will say, man is justified by faith alone, apart from the works. That is Romans chapter 3. James will say, a man is justified by his works because faith without works is dead. But Jesus says something incredible. Paul says, he's justified by faith alone, apart from works. James said, if you really have faith, you need to have works and those works will prove that you have been justified. Jesus adds something. What he says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 onwards. A good man, 
Out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word men speak, they have to give an account. Do you take this seriously? Okay? Why? In the, in the danger, why? Because by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. You know your true self by the kind of words that you speak. How you are with your wife, how we, how you are with your children, how you are with your co-workers, your colleagues, your boss, how it changes when your boss suddenly comes. You'll be like, hey, sir, well, sir, okay, sir, okay, sir. This is the language that people use most often. You see, unguarded moments. See? That is the reason why, you know what James will say? You know, James is a fantastic guy. This is what he says in James chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. He says, not many of you should be teachers. Okay? (laughs) Not, I, I, I am scared. I didn't want to be a teacher. Seriously, honestly, I didn't want to be one. Because of this verse. Honestly. My brothers, for you know that you who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And I said, Lord, just let me go off this, please. Why? He says, for we all stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in the in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to control his entire body. Your, in other words, your entire body, can you believe that? Entire body can be controlled by your tongue? Do you know that? Your emotions, your actions, your body language, everything is determined by the tongue. That is the reason why it says the rudder of a ship is the smallest part of the ship, but it changes the entire course of its of its destination because it's the one which controls the whole body. Therefore, God is interested in what you speak, how you speak, what you say, how you say. He is very interested in making your mouth. You got that? Why? First Corinthians chapter 14 verses 32 and 33. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. You cannot say, oh, the spirit came upon me and I lost control and I did everything. No, 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 no. No. Lot of people in the charismatic movement, they're like that. Oh, the spirit came and I didn't know what I was saying. No, nothing of that sort. You're absolutely in control. You know when to start, you know when to stop. Have you seen Jesus? He knows, you know, he knows, and in fact, Jesus never had to speak in tongues, by the way. Uh, he communicated with the Father. He knew the heavenly language, okay? God understood his language. Okay. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all congregation of the Lord's people. Okay. And therefore, you know, first thing he does is, he wants to take control of our tongue. Say that. God wants to take control of my tongue. Say that. Say that again. God wants to, I, I want to give the control of my tongue to God. Say that. If you're serious, serious, watch your conversation. Now, don't say suddenly, okay, he's a silent observer, let me just, no, 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 no. That is not the way to do it. No, what do you do? You change from inside out. Christianity is not outside in religion. It is an inside out religion. What comes out of the mouth is from the Heart. That's what he saw in Matthew 12. You see? So ask God to change your heart. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Look at this one man in the Old Testament. He puts us to shame. This is Ezekiel chapter 3. Look at what Ezekiel's life. Okay. Ezekiel's life. 
If you, if, if the, if really the spirit of the Lord has come upon you, this should happen. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 24 onwards. Then the spirit came to me, came into me and set me on my feet. He spoke to me and said, go to your house and shut yourself in. And God is telling many of us before the 10th year, go into your house and shut yourself. Meditate. Study. You know, one of the things I'm just really jealous about, Pastor James, and he says, Vijay, I'm having a wonderful time with God. I said, Lord, I wish I could have that time. I want to have that time with you. Spend time with God. Shut yourself in. There, and he, look at this, he doesn't stop there. There, son of man, you will be tied with ropes so that you cannot go out and come among the people. Can you imagine this guy? He goes into the house. Shuts himself in and he asks, hey, servant, come here. Sir, what should I do? Please tie me to the wall. Why? Because I might have the impulse to go out. I don't want to go out. And many of you should ask somebody to tie you in the home. Because you are itching to go somewhere. Oh, you, you, see, you can never have... The image of God formed into you unless you have that devotion with Him. You see, we are devotional people, not professional people. You see? Our, see, what happens, how do two become one is because we communicate with each other, we exchange ideas, we talk to each other, we understand what each other's minds is by the, by, by the words that come out of each other's mouth, right? In a relationship. That's exactly what God, He, he says, just shut yourself in. Tie yourself up. And many of you should tie yourself up. And some of you actually have to go out because you are there for such a long time now. Okay. And then he says, look at what he says in the next verse. I will make your tongue to stick to your roof of your mouth. So everybody stick your tongue to your roof, please. Say that, do that, do that, do the practical things, no? Can you speak? No. That's what he's saying. Shut your mouth. For some days. Until I ask you to speak. And I will make your tongue to stick to the roof of your mouth. So that you will be speechless and unable to rebuke them. For they are rebels. In other words. These fellows. Lord. I have to say something to them. Shut your mouth please. You know we are always very quick. Sister Elsa was praying. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Why should you should not be angry. Because the wrath of man. Does not produce the righteousness that God requires. And many of us, men and ladies, should ask God, Lord, tie my tongue to the roof of my mouth. That is how you win your husbands, by the way. Not by taking Bible study. Lord, he is a rebel. Tongue to the roof of your mouth, please. Oh, he has to... Lord, does he not know the Bible? He's an educated fellow. Barbarian, is acting like... Win your husband without a word. Please put your mouth, tongue to the roof of your mouth, please. Well, God is telling many of us. Because he wants to make our mouth. You know something? Let me tell you something. If we can control our mouth... Oh, we have become a perfect man. We are there. It is not controlling your eyes. 
It is controlling your tongue. Try that out. And then he says, but when I give you a message to send on WhatsApp, okay, everybody is itching. I, mean, I see that, no? I said, Lord, it's coming, 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 coming. I'm not saying that you should not send. I mean, some of them are, you know, you, you know, Proverbs says, even a fool is considered to be wise when he doesn't open his mouth. You want people to know that you are wise? Please don't send WhatsApps. Because sometimes it's very telling about your ignorance. Hurry, Baba, what is this? Be very careful, consider, think twice when you send, especially to a public forum. That is not to offend you, please. I have to work on that. Yeah. So when I give you a message to WhatsApp or to Twitter, Twitter, I mean, you can, this is a modern day language, by the way. You thought Twitter and WhatsApp is, no, 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 it was available during biblical time also. I will loosen your hands, no, sorry, my mouth, your, your tongue, sorry, the same thing, no? Because people speak with their hands very often these days. I mean, I used to remember Rishi, I don't know if Rishi was here, yeah. You know how I used to SMS those days, you have those, uh, uh, those, those button phones, right? Hey! Silk is just, just moving like that. The thing is just moving like that, like a cursor on the on the on the on the, on the keyboard like that. No, that's exactly how people are. This is the tongue, and I know it's both hands. No? Stop! But when I give you a message, you know, when God gives you a message, it becomes a burden in your heart. And even like Jeremiah says, Lord, I don't want to speak. But how can I stop myself from speaking? It is like fire shut in my bones now. I have to speak. But when I give you a message, I will loosen your tongue, your hands equivalently, and then let you speak or type equivalently. Then you will say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Those who choose to listen, will listen. Don't go and click on info. How many people read it? Pastor did not read it. No, don't get offended. No, I'm just speaking your language. My boss, by the way, uh, he's a robotics researcher and one of the most uh, famous researchers in India in robotics. My boss. He's not on WhatsApp. And I'm not so famous researcher and I'm on WhatsApp. And I'm looking at it. No wonder these people are successful in what they do. You know what? The sons of the world are wiser than the sons of the kingdom. Because they know where to invest their time and their money. You see? But we people are so itching to say something. What says? Hold on. I'll tell you why. Why this is important. Look at what it says in Psalm 12. These are the kind of people. You know? Who have said, with our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us. Freedom of speech, hai Kuch bhi bol sakte. And many of them are getting into trouble because actually they are exercising their freedom of speech. So many things could have been avoided when people ask God to make their tongue to stick to the roof of their mouth. And instead of doing that, they just go itching 
and start doing all kinds of things and get into trouble. I didn't say that. Look at what it says in Proverbs 21-23. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues will keep themselves from calamity. How many of you want to keep yourself from calamity? Oh, some of you don't want to. If you really want to, hands up in the air unashamedly, please. Okay, you all want to. Some of you are, no, don't let them not. This is, this is important. Because God wants to take hold of our mouth and make it. It's another translation. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut. This is a new living translation. It's very lively. And you will stay out of trouble. Thank God. You see that? Okay, so what does God want to make our tongue or our mouth into? First he wants to make our mouth. But what does he want to make our mouth into? Let's read that. 49 verse 2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me, he made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in the quay. What does he want to make my mouth into? A sharpened sword. No, I remember Pastor James giving us this example, right? If you were there in one of the pastor's conference, I think even one of the Sunday sermons, I'm not sure exactly. He says, many people cut. Some use uh, rampam. Okay, that is carpenter. Vadrangivadu. That's exactly how they cut. Some use axe. Godali. That is also used to cutting. To become a carpenter, how many years does it take? Uh, you go to carpentry school, one year you will get a diploma in, car- in cutting with rampam. And if you have an automated rampam, you don't even have to do that. You can just have to watch that movie called Hoodwinked. How many of you have seen that movie Hoodwinked? Hoodwinked. We have not seen. Okay, you are all outdated people. Okay. And this is guy who's, you know, he once he understands how to chop trees, he takes his axe and he keeps chopping trees. And he's so excited about it. Okay. So it doesn't take much skill to become a good Dalivadu. Okay. An axe bearer. But some people use their sword like a surgeon's scalpel. Ah. The pastor said, right? For one cut, one lakh. I mean, if you have open heart, you are, you mean, by the time you see the bill, you will have another heart attack. So you should have double open heart. You see, for what that one cut, how many years did he study? She was going to study for five years. She will not be satisfied. She will study for another two years for PG. PG is almost impossible unless you are extremely hard. I'm not trying to scare you. I wish you can PG. PG. Okay. Study really hard. Crack the entrance exam. Then go to FRCS. Then go to M- do MS, etc. And finally they will give you the one cut, one lakh. They will not just give you like that. You know, what does God want us to become? This mouth should become like the knife of a surgeon. So in order to do that, what does he do? The Lord has given me the tongue of the of those who are taught that I may. Who has to give you? The Lord has to give you. Who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word to him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens me. And this is very, very true of all those people who studied for medical ex- entrance exam, right? Morning by morning your mother awakened you and sometimes kicked you out of the bed also. And sometimes she poured water on your face. 
Right? Because you should have the knife in your hands which will heal people. Morning by morning. That's exactly what God is saying. If you really want to have your mouth to become like a sharp sword of a surgeon, what should you do? Get up morning by morning and listen to my word. Don't speak until you hear. Proverbs 12, 18. There is, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. Okay? Just hitting that. It's too much of pain. It's causing more harm. But the tongue of the wise brings what? Healing. You see that? When a guy who's a surgeon, he is only going to hurt you, but he's not going to harm you. He's going to heal you. Therefore, he uses his, 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 his scalpel very, very, you know, carefully, right? And that is what what God wants to do with our mouth. He wants to make it a sharpened sword which will heal people. You know, when you speak, you know, some people when they speak, right, you just feel like listening to them because it's so gracious. I mean, I want to, I mean, I can take examples from my own life. I, I go to the pastor, I can listen to him. Even his rebuke, jorka jhatka dhire se lage. But jhatka laga. Because how it, you know, it stays like a, uh, like a leech in your mind. It just eats you slowly. It's like a, uh, you know, slow thing which keeps going down and down and down. It's like the word of God penetrating, dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, the thoughts and the intents. Everything is being laid naked and bare. So that you can become a healer. That is the reason why he says, a bruised reed, he will not break a smoking flax. He will not put out. And he will know exactly what to speak to a guy. Oh, sorry. A word in season to those who are weary. Okay. Alright. That is what that is what he wants to make my mouth like. And then the next thing he wants to do. He wants to hide me. In order to become a sharpened sword, he wants to hide me. He wants to conceal me. What does he want to do? Hide me, conceal me. You see? You know, one of the things that I really don't like, especially in India, this push to the front. No? Parents, go, become elocution competition, elu. Okay. One psalm, those people will learn, it will become a public display. I mean, we, there is forums to do that, by the way. Come, 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 come. Every time uh, one guest will come home, come, 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 come. Recite Psalm 23. Recite. Recite it in Hebrew. Ah, intelligent fellow. You see that? You see? Very intelligent. You know, they don't want to hide their children. I'll tell you something. One of the things that parents have to do is to hide your children. One of the constant Arguments that we have at home as to how to do that. You know, I'll tell you something. Don't pump up the ego of your child and say, all intelligent, that fellow will become, he will use his intelligence in a very, very negative way to get away. I'll tell you, most intelligent people are the people who get away easily with all kinds of crimes. You understand? I, 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 I told you several times, right? Very intelligent. Mama, but he smokes. But he's very intelligent. What has that got to do? Mama, but he's, uh, he always is with girls, but very intelligent. 
Very intelligent. This is how we have the conversations in our home. We, we glorify talent. We don't hide. The son of man came with all his power. You know what God did? Hid him. In Nazareth. And when somebody came to attack, what did he do? He ran. He didn't say, I am the son of God. Send angels. No. Hide. Hide. That's what he's doing. He hid me and he concealed me. What does God do when he hides you, when he conceals you? You know what God does? He breaks you. He tests you. He takes you through trouble. He takes you to persecution. He takes you to trial. He takes you through all kinds of difficult situations so that he can make you a sharpened sword in your mouth. Look at what it says in, okay, and, and a polished arrow. We'll talk, come to the polished arrow. Uh, Luke's chapter, uh, Luke gospel chapter one verse 80. And the child grew and became strong in the spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly in Israel. Who's this? Who's this? John the Baptist, who was filled uh, with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, is where in the wilderness for how long? For 30 years in the wilderness, God was breaking him, crushing him, is taking him through all kinds of troubles. And one day he will come and he will only speak one word, repent. You know what will happen? The entire nation will come to Jordan and will be baptized because that is what happened to his mouth. It has become a sharpened sword. Because God hid him and dealt with him. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you will remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these how many years? 40 years in the wilderness. To do what? To humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know or not your fathers knew, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What God is doing, he's taking us through the wilderness, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. What does it mean to be a bond servant? What does it mean to a bond servant? Those days, servants were, slaves were actually bond slave, bond servant is the same thing. Slaves were purchased from the market. And after you purchase him from the market, you bring him to the house, he works with you for six years. And on the seventh year, you release him. But on the seventh year, he will come back and say, because he likes the master and he loves him so much. And he says, master, I don't want to be released. I want to be your servant for life. I want to be your bond servant. So what does a master do? He takes an all. He takes him to the doorpost of his house and he pierces his ear through the, through the, through the all. And then from that time onwards, he becomes his bond servant voluntarily. What does the piercing of the ear mean? From today onwards, master, I'm going to listen only to your voice. I'm not going to listen to anybody else. That's what it means. And what does God wants to want to do? What He wants to make us into servants who will only obey him. No other master we will have. He is my master alone. So what does he do? In, in Psalms 40, verses 6 to 8. This is quoted in Hebrews, by the way. This is talking about Jesus. Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire. What did you do? My ears you have. It is not open actually. The word is dug through. What did God do to Jesus' ears? He 
talk through from that day onwards, Jesus is only going to listen to his father and nobody else. And that therefore he says, my doctrine is not my own. It is my, the father who has given me what I have to teach. The works that I do, I received it from my father. Everything that I do, I have only one master and that is God alone. That is what he wants to do each one of us, that we will have no other loyalty. God wants us to become loyal servants who will not listen to anybody other than His voice in our lives. That is what it means to become His servant. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 23 You were bought with a price. Do not become bond servants of men. What does it mean? Don't try to please men. Don't try to change your the way you live when you see pressure coming from outside. No. You bought the price, you only listen to God's voice. Look at what it says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. It says, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not, you see that? I would not be a bond servant of Christ. You see that? Isaiah 49, let's move on. What else does what God wants us to do? Wants to do to us. Isaiah 49 and verse 4. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with my God. What happens? Once you become a servant, you keep on working and working and working. Do you see results? Not often. You know, they say Madame Curie. How many of you know Madame Curie? Okay. What did she discover? Radium. You know how she discovered radium? She had tons and tons and piles and piles of data on her table. She sifted and sifted and sifted and sifted and sifted years and years and years. And one fine day, after she sifted through all the data, one day she found that one small shining particle. It's a long process. What does it tell me? You know, I I was listening to this man of God was telling a story of uh, a, a, a missionary in uh, Colombia. Colombia or Venezuela, I'm not sure, that one of the South American countries. There's a South American country called Cali, uh, a city called Cali, Cali in Colombia or Venezuela, where they grow marijuana. Those days, this is 1984, 1984 according to the 1984 statistics, that particular small village town called Cali, not Cali, but C-A-L-I in, 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 in Spanish, they used to produce 1,000 crore worth of marijuana every year and send it to United States. And there was this missionary who had this tremendous burden for that particular town because he was from that town. So he used to go to the mountain top in that city, go to the top of the mountain, he used to pray and pray and pray. So Lord, he used to have this burden. He said, Lord, Lord, do something to this town, Lord. Do something, Lord. Get a revival. Stop this, Lord. That this town will become a blessing to many, many people. He used to pray and pray and pray and pray. pray. Years and years passed by, nothing happened. One day God said, go and do something. So he goes to the town and there are about 16 churches in that town. He goes to every pastor and he says, God told me that we should organize a uh, uh, what is that? Uh, some concert, a worship concert in the football ground of the town. They had one football ground. God wants us to organize a worship concert. And the pastor said, why do you want to organize a pa- concert 
you know, why can't you have it in the town, in the, in the church itself? We'll be safe. But he said, no, 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 no. We'll organize it in the, in the football ground. So, he asked all the pastors, but none, none of them came. So he waited for a week. Nobody responded. So on the, he wanted to do it on the Saturday. On the Wednesday, he did something. He said, you know what? These guys are not going to do it. On Wednesday evening, there were some local gangsters who understood that this guy, this guy was, was going to do some prayer meeting and they didn't want that to happen. They killed him. Missionary. His name is Holio Rosario. This is, this happened in 1984. They killed him. His body was not found for almost 24 hours. The next day they found the body and all the pastors came together and they were shocked. They buried him. They finished the funeral and they went back home and one of the pastors said, you know, this guy, when he was there, he asked us to go and pray. And he also was convicted. He died for us. So you know what he did? He slowly went to the the football stadium and started going around the football stadium and started praying hallelujah, praise the Lord, hallelujah praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord after a while another pastor came they didn't talk to each other, he also got convicted and he also came, another pastor came and within an hour all the 16 pastors of the local church came, they started praying in that football stadium within two days 20,000 people came into the stadium and there was a mighty revival and they all got saved and within 6 weeks Every shop which was selling drugs and everything closed down. This is there. This is there and actually in records you can go on YouTube and find it out by the way. Kali, Mirwana. You just type it out. Kali transformation, YWAM. You'll find the entire video. Within, within six days, I mean six months, the whole town and all the gangsters were arrested and there was a mighty revival. And the place where they used to uh, grow marijuana, they stopped it, stopped uh, growing marijuana and they started planting carrots and potatoes and cabbage or ca- cauliflower. So, when the carrots started to, you know, grow, they became so big, almost a foot long. Have you seen a foot long carrot? Hardly. The, the potatoes, each potato was two kilos in weight. And the cauliflower was like huge. They had at least two people to carry the entire cauliflower. And they sent three agricultural scientists from Germany, Japan and Mexico to find out what's going on. They came and tested the soil over there. And they said, and they went outside the town of Kali and they tested the soil over there and they did not find any difference. And they were thinking, how come the plants are growing such big? You know what the man of God said? This man, he said, you know, Lord, I humble myself and you said in your prayer, in your word, when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent and pray, I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is exactly what he prayed over and over again. And that man died in that place. There was a mighty harvest and a mighty revival. This has happened in 1984, not too long ago, too long ago, by the way, 1986, she was born. Very, very Recent. You see. What does it tell me? You know, this is, the servant says, Lord, I've labored in vain. And so many of you will look at your circumstances and your children and your spouses and say, Lord, how many years, Lord, labored and labored. Will I see fruit in my life? 
Will I ever see fruit in my life? Will I see people changing during my lifetime? Will I see people, my, my sons and my daughters getting saved in my lifetime? Will I see my husband changing in my lifetime? Will I see my, hus- my wife changing in my lifetime? Will anything happen, Lord? In vain I spent all my strength for nothing, Lord. But you know what he says? Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is still with my God. You know, that is the reason why Galatians and Paul, Paul will say in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, verse 8 and 9, for he who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will reap everlasting life. And let us not grow what? Weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are how the household of faith. Don't give up. Don't give up when you don't see results. You know, one of the things that we are in this generation, we want instant everything. Instant everything. Instant class, instant results. You know, that's exactly how children come to my class and say, Lord, Pastor, what is, I mean, not Pastor, Sir, lecturer, Sir, what is the minimum I should do to get a pass mark? They want everything easy. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to stick and stay at it for long hours of time. And if you really want anything worthwhile in your life, you will not see fruit immediately. See, you will not. As parents, right? Did we ever give up on our children? And my parents never stopped. They would never hesitate to even spank me when I was in BTEC also, sometimes. They would not. Why? They don't want to give up on their children. They don't want to give up on their spouses. They don't want to give up. Don't give up. It may not be in your lifetime, but surely his reward is with him. This is what Habakkuk says, you know. I was praying with pastor in the morning and he was praying this with me. You know what he said? Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I am surrounded by people who love to argue and to fight. It describes so many of our family affairs. Surrounded by people who love to argue and to fight. The law has become paralyzed and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous so that the justice has become perverted. He says, Lord, how long? How long? How long? How long, O Lord? And the Lord comes and gives him the answer and this is what he says. You know, I've heard many prayer vows vows taken during weddings, right? You know, when they write uh, wedding cards, they write, love is patient, love is kind, love endures all things, love hopes all things, love believes all things, love never fails. And they type all that in their wedding card and they give it to the people. One man of God, I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you know him, his name is John Piper, this is what he had in his wedding card. You know what he had in his wedding card? This is what he had. Habakkuk chapter 3. Though the fig tree may not blossom, okay, nor fruit be on the wines, Though the labor of the olive may fall, may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. See that? He says, Lord, I'm not going to give up. Even if I don't see anything. Because I know, as long as I do right, I know my reward is there. And then he says, the Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet 
and he will make me walk on the high hills. Don't give up. See, don't give up. And it's going to be a long walk. And I'm sure many of you have people in your families who you're saying, Lord, some of them are near deathbed. Will they ever hear the gospel? Will they ever? What happened to them? Did you stop praying? Did you stop? Will you give up? Will you stop writing in the prayer prayer book? Why? Why is this important? Isaiah 49 and we'll, we'll stop here. He says, it is too small a thing for you to be my servants to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back the, those of Israel I have kept. Is it a too small thing? No. It's a big thing. You know, God is interested in the souls of his people. You know, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. You see, I, I mean, you just look at one man, Apostle Paul. In his lifetime, he wanted to go everywhere. And one day God said, go to the prison. He was locked in prison and he thought his ministry was over and he started writing letters. You know something? The most important letters which set the doctrine of the church was written by Apostle Paul when he was in prison. Did he think that we were going to read him? Did he ever think that we will analyze him and do thesis and get PhDs after studying his thesis? No. But he still wrote it. See, because he never thought it was a small thing. See? And this morning, you know, even as we enter into the 10th year, the last Sunday, I'm going to stop here today. Last Sunday of the 10th year. And I encourage each one of you this morning, no? Say, Lord, help me, Lord. Help me. Help me not to give up. At least this one, if you didn't get anything from this sermon today, Lord, help me not to give up. Help me not to give up. Help me not to give up. You know, recently I had a conversation with one of my mentors when I was growing up. The last conversation I had with him on the scooter when he was dropping me to the railway station. He looked at me and he said, Vijay, you're leaving. You may fall 10,000 times or even a million times. Don't give up. Don't give up. He just called me the other day. Don't give up. Don't give up. 10,000 times, million times, Lord, I will not give up. This morning, let's come to the Lord this morning. Can we all stand up? Can we all stand up and can we just one song we will sing? I would like the worship team to come and sing that song. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb, praise and glory, wisdom and strength, honor and power and praise. Be to our God forever. Let's sing that song. And we'll stop. And even as we sing that song, just take a few moments, close your eyes and say, Lord, 10th year, I'm available, Lord. Fresh beginnings, O Lord. Mercies are new every morning. And every day of the new year will be a new morning, a new opportunity. So many times I have not seen fruit, but I gave up. So I want to give up, Lord. I want to finish my race. Whatever you started in my life, Lord, you said you will be faithful to complete it. You are the author and the finisher and I don't want to give up. 
Paul tells Timothy, uh, Paul tells the Philippians, he said, I take hold of that thing for which Christ has taken hold of me. He's already taken hold of me. I don't want to give up. I don't want to let go. I want to cling to him. I want to cling to him. This morning, just even as we sing that song, salvation belongs to the Lord. I say, Lord, touch me this year. Touch me, Lord. Father, I'm available. Make my mouth into a sharp sword. Make me a polished arrow. Hide me and take me through every testing so that I'll be refined and become a polished arrow so that I can become that specific weapon in your hand that I will fulfill that specific calling that you have given to me even before the foundations of the world were laid. And we the redeemed shall be strong in purpose and unity It is not by accident, O oh Lord, that we are here in this house this morning, Lord. Father, you have orchestrated everyone, O oh Lord, every event in every one of each one of our lives, O oh Lord, that we could come to you and respond to you, O oh Lord. You didn't have to do it, O oh Lord, in your sovereign, divine way, O oh Lord, you orchestrated every event in our lives. And Lord, this morning, Father, we want to fulfill the purpose for which you have called us, O Lord. The purpose not to do, but to be, O Lord. To be like your son so that you can accomplish your work through us. O Lord, have mercy, O Lord. Have mercy, O Lord. If you have squandered years, O Lord, wasted away our time in foolish pursuits, O Lord, I pray that you would forgive us. Oh, Father, wasted resources, wasted our years and our energies on senseless things. You said, through Jonah, you said, those who run after worthless idols will forsake their own mercy. Lord, we have run after worthless things, O Lord. Wasted our time, wasted our resources, wasted our so much of our life, O Lord. But this year, O Lord, this coming year, even today, O Lord, even today, Lord, you're drawing some of us here, O Lord, young and old, O Lord, who believe that they are not an accident, who believe that everything that has happened in their lives has happened for a specific purpose, that they will become sharpened, polished arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior, Jesus, that he can shoot them into the enemy's territory. O Lord, 
Make us, O Lord, Father, into those sharpened arrows, O Lord. We surrender, O Lord. Take control of our mouths, O Lord. Take control of our tongues, O Lord. Our eyes, O Lord. O Father. Our silver and our gold, everything, O Lord. Father, we are not ashamed to pray to Lord. Father, we just want to surrender this morning, O Lord. This morning, just pray to God this morning. I just want to encourage you. I just want to take a few minutes and say, pray, Lord, touch me, Lord, touch me. Just raise your hands up this morning. Raise your hands and say, Lord, touch me. Touch me, touch me this morning. Touch me. I've come with an expectancy in my heart. I don't want to go back the same. I want to make an impact in your kingdom. I want to be something, Lord, that will fulfill your purpose and your name will be glorified through my life. Oh, Lord. Every one of us, O oh Lord, here, the smallest to the youngest, to the oldest, O oh Lord. And young ones, don't ever think that you are too young to serve the Lord. Paul to- tell- tells Timothy, he said, do not let anyone despise you because of your youth. But be an example in speech, in love, in faith, and in purity. Let your conduct be known to all. This morning, just surrender. Just pray that prayer from the bottom of your hearts. Just mean it and say, Lord, do something, Lord, with my life. I surrender. I just surrender everything at your at the altar, O oh Lord. I surrender, O oh Lord. I surrender my guilt. Some of you with heavy with guilt, with condemnation. God's word says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of of sin and death. You don't have to walk in in condemnation. You confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to walk with condemnation. You You don't have to walk in guilt. You don't have to walk with a sense of failure. Thank God for the failures that He has sent, that He has sent into your life so that He can humble you. He can, He can prove you. He can hide you. He can work His life into you. Oh Father, we surrender this morning. We surrender, oh Lord. We surrender this morning. We surrender. Oh Father, ten years, oh Lord, you have spoken week after week faithfully from this pulpit. And we believe the Lord, you have spoken to us this morning. You have spoken to me, Lord. You spoke to me. Father, you've been speaking to me, O Lord. And I believe that you're speaking to every one of us in this church. Father, the year of destiny, Lord, is almost going to end. Father, let it, let it not just pass us by without us finding out what our destiny is in God. So many decisions that have to be made. So many of them holding on with fear to something. Just, just have to be let go. God says, just let go. Let go that relationship. Let go. Let go that bitterness. Forgive. Don't hold on. Husbands, just let go. Forgive your wives. Wives, forgive your husbands. Children, forgive your parents. Parents, forgive your children. Brothers and sisters in Christ, forgive one another. As Christ Jesus forgave us. God in Christ forgave us. Let us not hold on to bitter words. Father, do it, O Lord. Do it, O Lord. Do it. We just wait in your presence this morning. Pray, Lord, that you would touch, Lord. Touch. 
touch us from the bottom of our hearts. Transfer, transform us from in the inside out, O oh Lord. Cause us to walk in your ways. Teach us, O oh Lord. Oh Lord. We surrender, O oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Father, we believe, Father, for, for great and mighty things, O oh Lord, in our lives. That you would expand our territory, O oh Lord. That you would grant us success. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. Make us a blessing. That's the promise of Abraham, Lord. That you would bless us to be a blessing to many. Father, we believe, O oh Lord, it is here, this year, O oh Lord, that we will be a blessing, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, touch us. Touch us, we pray. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for this time. I pray, Father, every one of them, this, every one of us this morning, especially our children who are going through, Father, intense trial. Father, I pray, Lord, you would speak to them, O oh Lord. Father, you empathize with them, Lord. You are touched by the feelings of our infirmities. You have gone through every trial and every situation that every one of us have gone through, O Lord. You know what we are going through, O Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort, Lord. That you would come aside that brother, that sister this morning and you would touch and comfort, O Lord. Oh, Father, we want to lean on to you, O Lord, this morning. We want to let go, O Lord. We want to start afresh. Start afresh, O Lord, this year, O Lord. The old things have passed away. Behold everything, let it be made new in our lives, O Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We praise you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.